Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 226 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, Daryl. She Hi, has everyone. returned. I have, rightfully. Did you enjoy your foray? Um, I guess. I can't even remember what I was doing. <laughs> um, uh, I think it was the, that we we left it so last minute that yeah. it wasn't possible for us to both record at the same time because you had to look after the girls. <gasps> yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've really done messed up there. But yeah, um, we... Daryl just did it by himself. I think I had just done some uh, intro outro bits for uh, my other podcast. She plays games, and yeah, we just didn't fit it in with the video as well. It was just crazy sauce. It was, as I said on the show, it was lockdown. It was the week where lockdown caught up with us. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty good that we've lasted this long. Yeah, and I think that was also. Uh... I don't think we've ever really missed a podcast deadline, but I think that's one of the few times where we had to record on a Tuesday. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time we're a bit more organized. <laughs> but for some we reason, we, we we can't record on Saturdays because of the stream. Mm-hmm. But we usually record on a Friday or a Sunday. Worst case, Monday. Yeah. But Mondays we don't like to do because we typically publish all our videos. Exactly. And SPG on that day. So I don't know why we couldn't do Friday and we couldn't do Sunday either. There were things happening. Yeah, I think I think honestly, it just it just fell on the back burner because everything else was going on. Yeah. Unfortunately, stuff happened and we got waylaid. But we're back in we're a, back. a rough schedule now. Things seem to be okay, but generally, when we think that something else happens, yeah. <laughs> today, today has been one of those days. Um, yeah. But we're here, we're recording, and today we've got some interesting uh, stuff to talk about because we are going to be talking about our favorite antagonists from the franchise. Ooh, Ooh. saucy. I know, and I'm sure this is going to lead to a lot of contention because there are obviously many great antagonists throughout the years, Mm -hmm. and we can only pick one. There can only be one Highlander. We are making a slight exception, though, to allow us to pick two. So we're going to categorize it by antagonist and sub-antagonist. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun discussion. But before we get on to that topic, we are going to do some shout-outs for our executive producers who support us on Patreon. And we're going to kick things off with... Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thorin Bullen at Masca 23. Fayaz Bilal. Lewis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Ryzen. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namjian. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Freya Stella. Flipsurdness. Tom Hughes at Tom underscore Hughes 22. Yam Potato. Noah Luttrell. Rich Elliott. Sam Ennis. Tim Michael Verne at Phoenix 02SA. Joshua Johnson. Lauren Luscombe. Chris Willis. And Marco Lilu. Thank you I, I so much. I presume I'm saying that right, Marco. If not, if not, then please do let me know. But thank you so much, everyone. And thank yes, you, Marco, thank you. who is a new patron supporter of this episode. Thank you, Marco, and everybody else. So yeah, main topic, favorite antagonist. As mentioned, mm. we're going to split this into two categories. I'm going to go first, first time around, and then Lauren's going to give her pick and we're gonna try and have a back and forth discussion here it's gonna be Mm. it's gonna be fun we've both picked characters who we are pretty familiar with i'd say Mm -hmm. right yeah in terms of like the other one's choice 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no zingers. <laughs> Just like, who's that person? Uh, can't really be any if we already know the Final Fantasy antagonists. It's true, but there are a lot of antagonists. There now. are quite a few. I could have picked a random one from fourteen. That would have thrown you. That would have thrown me for a loop de loop. No offense, Final Fantasy fourteen players. Don't kill me. Exactly. So I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to go for the predictable. I'm going to go for my main antagonist being Sephiroth, Final Fantasy VII, and I can hear a collective sigh amongst a portion of our listeners and a collective, yay! You're from, so basic. I know, it's pretty basic, You're such it? a basic person. But I feel as though he just kind of embodies the antagonist. I know that Kefka obviously came before him, and mm. there are many things that Kefka did that make him a really good, well-rounded antagonist. But for me, the thing that I really liked about Sephiroth was the mystery surrounding him. And this is something that uh, Yoshinori Kitate has has come out and said more recently in the build-up to the 7 remake. I think he was doing an interview with uh, a really popular wrestler in Japan. Mm. And he spoke about the way they crafted Sephiroth and they modeled him on Jaws. And I think the really cool thing about that is that, that... through all the stuff that we've looked up and you know many of you guys are probably aware that Kitaze came from film he studied film at university he was really interested in movies video games not so much but he mm. he kind of came in and when he started working on the final fantasy games he added an extra dimension that the, the team didn't have because many of them didn't watch western movies and so jaws obviously was a big influence on that and he decided that he wanted to craft a similar narrative device into final fantasy 7 and sephiroth was the the reciprocal of that and i think the way that he he managed to go about telling that story where you don't see the actual version of sephiroth until at least two-thirds into the game up until that point obviously you you see the visual cue thanks to the flashback sequences in, in nibelheim and through genova but most of the time, it's just illusions. It's just people talking about Sephiroth in the third person to say like, oh, guys, do you know Sephiroth? He's such a badass. And Cloud obviously has these uh, flashbacks to what Sephiroth was like. And he can recount his experiences and how how, how fierce and a warrior he is. Like You just hear about him through all of these moments in time and, and what everyone says through him about him through kind of third party information. So when you get to that moment, when you finally see him, it's like such a such a build up. Mm-hmm. And obviously what he's trying to do is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's what makes him such a good antagonist. It's not necessarily what he does. I don't particularly care too much about the fact he's trying to summon Meteor and really what they've done with him as a character since Final Fantasy VII has kind of made it a bit farcical, like the fact that oh, he can no longer die and like he lives in the live stream forever and He's whatever. He's now Voldemort. And, and like, yeah, I mean, all the stuff with the 7 remake, which we won't talk about here, which is pretty crazy as well. Like it has got a bit fan fiction-y, mm-hmm. but I think what what was contained within Final Fantasy VII was so powerful. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the fallen hero. He's the one who he was bigged up to be this amazing person and he was like a decent he, it's hard because in crisis core you could kind of already see it even before he turned though that he was a bit weird like yeah. his lack of empathy was quite jarring at times 
he had weird empathy because he really cared about Angeal and Genesis. Yeah, and, and even like a to a degree, Zach and yeah, Cloud. Zach, like he was like, "Go see your girl and stuff." Like there's moments, but like, yeah, when it came to, um, oh, who was it? They were getting assassinated. Oh, I think. Well, I think actually it was when Angeal and Genesis got um, were going to be assassinated or something. He just seemed very sort of like blasé about it. But I feel as though that's also because they'd they'd kind of grown up together. And mm. I think it was that switch because when Genesis got hurt, Sephiroth was willing to give up his blood and, and try and help as much as possible. Yeah. But when Genesis betrayed them and yeah. Angeal, they thought, thought had done the same thing, Sephiroth, he, he wanted to be the one who kind of ended it. He wanted to find out for himself what mm. was going on. And when he found out what was going on, it was kind of like, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, then it's clear my friendship didn't mean that much to you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but either way, like, yeah, the fact that he was like this sought after soldier, like, and the weird thing is the fact that nobody else really remembers him. Like, when I think about it, do a lot of people in town talk about how great he was as a soldier? I mean, it's kind of talked about a little bit. So obviously Cloud had the speech where he said he wants to go off to emulate Sephiroth. There's there's Cloud, obviously, yeah. But like, outside of that, outside of his bubble, like, you don't hear like Barrett say, like, oh, what a great what a great soldier Sephiroth was, or I guess he wouldn't know about him. But it just seems a bit weird that, like, nobody else really talks about him outside of, like, Cloud and maybe Tifa. Yeah, I mean, they obviously have a personal connection with him for different reasons. Yeah. But yeah. I think, like, it's it's one of those weird things because uh, Sephiroth was really bigged up by the military. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who is interested in becoming a soldier candidate... And I'm talking, like, before he kills Aerith, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. after, yeah, they know who he is, But, like, obviously. you think, so, so Barrett and Dine in Coral were doing their own... They were having their own troubles. Yeah. They weren't interested in, in soldier or joining soldier. So I think yeah. it's one of those things where, like, sport... Like, think about sports. Yeah. Where, like, if you're interested in becoming a, a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player, you would know the top dog... And yeah. you'd really want to be like that top dog. But if you're not interested in that sport, you're not really going to have any idea who they are. You might know about them. Like, mm. you know who Cristiano Ronaldo is, despite the fact you don't care about football. Yeah. Just because of how big, big he, he is. is. But anyone, literally anyone who is interested in football would know who that person is. Mm. And I think it's it's one of those things where, yeah, Sephiroth is probably known around the world, but... If you had other stuff going on in your life and you weren't paying too much attention to what was going on, then you probably wouldn't care too much. It is strange though that Barrett doesn't know because the the time with the Wutai War, Sephiroth was the hero of the Wutai War. Exactly. So it does feel as though there were some continuity errors there in mm. terms of why Barrett wouldn't know. Or maybe it's just another case of like Shinra doing damage control i mean they managed to convince everybody and calm that uh, convince everybody that like the calm incident didn't happen even though that ha- like town was completely on fire so maybe after sephiroth went crazy they were just like all right <laughs> hold on guys let's just delete sephiroth from history because he just is a bit loopy <laughs> it's true um but either way like i think he 
I think he's he's cool. He's like he's ominous and stuff. But you don't agree because you picked. <laughs> I actually am going to change. I'm going to switch it oh. up. Look at this, Daryl's on the fly. You know? Well, it's okay. It's who silly. did you pick before? <clears throat> so who I picked before was Ultimessia, just because you said it off the cuff, and I was like, Ultimessia is really cool looking. Like, but then when I really sort of dive into her character, her character really isn't that interesting. She's just kind of. It's more interesting than Necron. A sorceress who's just mean. So I'm going to choose Kefka. When I really think about him versus like my first choice, Ultimessia, is that he's he's really funny. He's really interesting. Um, but he's funny in like a really uncomfortable dark way, which is like the whole essence of like Joker and Batman and stuff. He wins, so to speak, which the other villains not a lot of them actually do win, whereas he actually does screw up the entire world in his effort to be powerful. And then kind of gets um, bored. Yeah, and then gets bored. Um, for an actor, he would probably be so much fun to play. Like, I mean, for even like playing as him in Dissidia must have been so much fun for the voice actors to play because he's just so, so weird, but so fun. Do you so think fun. that... Um... I don't know which staff member came up with Kefka. I know mm. that Kitase had um, a degree of involvement with his lines. Like he gave him the one with the, the sand in the boots. Exactly. Which is all because like that scene with the him and the soldiers was just too boring. So he was just like, let's ad lib some lines. And, and that's where they came funny. up with the comedic side because he wasn't supposed to be have the comedic side. He was supposed to be like really dead serious. Mm. But I don't know which cast member sorry which development member of the development staff came up with kefka but i don't think kitase has ever gone on record to saying that the joker was the inspiration for the character mm. explicitly i mean to be fair i don't know what the time what uh when, i mean the early what bat- year the michael keaton batman films were early 80s yeah and this definitely wasn't this was this was 90s 90s at least um, i think they were early 80s yeah i mean it could have been. It could have been an inspiration. I mean, you know, Batman is so popular. Batman has Batman's lore is like one of the most popular superhero lores, especially from DC out there. And the Joker is just such a fascinating villain. But then, you know, it's 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 not that hard to make a twisted clown evil and no. have that as a character like it's really not that hard um first batman with michael keaton was 1989 so that was five years before mm. i mean i guess you already have the fact that like not everybody likes clowns and people tend to find clowns quite creepy i mean but then also the fact that like laughter is like the best feeling that you can have as a person and when somebody laughs at something that is so dark and twisted, it's really disturbing because you think they have the, they make the happiness. They, they feel so much happiness from something that is vile, like him poisoning the like science family and the whole kingdom um, is just really sad and terrifying it's also kind of strange in terms of like the the visual design of kefka too Mm. like there's so much that's kind of hidden beneath the surface with his character 
because you compare like um Celes was basically the equivalent of Kefka. Yeah. They were both really high ranking officers in the military and and Leo as well. Like the three of them were um Emperor Gustal's kind of lead generals essentially. Mm. And Celes and Leo have very traditional military attires. They wear armor, they've got a cape. Yeah. Kefka wears a clown suit. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's basically been, like a jester. And I, I don't know if he changed his attire following the incident where mm-hmm. the um, the Magitech infusion didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or if that's how he always dressed. Mm. But there must have been a point where everyone in the military was like, mm, yeah, do we really put our trust in this guy? Like, I mean, they do. They do say that to a degree. Like, they do question his, question him. They just get killed afterwards. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Gastar was kind of happy to indulge Kefka because he was doing yeah. what he wanted. He was like getting General him results. Like General Leo. General Leo questioned him and he just was like, bye. Well, that was kind of... I mean, Kefka had been that way for years before that point. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there's not really that much that much known about him before. Like, there's, there's bits, but there's not like a whole ton. Um, but it does say that, yeah, his mind was damaged um during the magitech night experiment yeah which sellers obviously went through years later successfully yeah yeah so it does beg the question of whether or not he would have remained similar to sellers yeah because i think we don't don't really have a gauge for what he was like beforehand unless they do some new material or they do the remake and there's flashbacks we yep. will never know. No, Kefka, the beginnings. Um, but yeah, so that I think, yeah, I he's the one villain that I always sort of enjoy seeing, but also don't enjoy seeing. <laughs> and the laugh is just brilliant. I I think yeah, out, out of the ones that I've I've experienced, those two were probably my top two because yeah, like Ultimessia, like Necron, Yu Yevon like Vane is probably the one who's more persistent mm-hmm. like that followed because 13 didn't really have one either yeah and then 15 had Arden like I think Arden is is decent too but yeah. his story is not well formed in the game itself yeah I think if they had done a bit a bit better with how they developed his character and how he plays into everything I think would have been fine but I think yeah. also with Arden and this kind of then leads on to the next point with the um, kind of sub-antagonist. And I'm kind of cheating here a little bit because I've chosen Caius as my sub-antagonist. I know he's the main antagonist in 13-2, but in the 13 franchise, he's a sub-antagonist. Um, um, Caius and Arden are quite similar mm. in in the sense that they both want to end their suffering. Mm-hmm. And that's why they want to bring about the end of the world. I just feel like Caius's story was more compelling than Arden's in a way mm-hmm. because like so Arden um and like it is a, a fair comparison between the two of them because they are very similar they were both kind of saviors and they were both uh kind of given a gift they didn't ask for mm. in a way so so Caius was given immortal life so that he could protect Yule mm. and the consequence of that was that he just kept having to see Yule die and Arden was given immortal life because he absorbed the souls of all the demons 
and he didn't ask for that either. And then he was both of them were kind of ostracized a little bit. Caius not so much. I think Caius was kind of driven mad by the consequence of what Etro had done to him, and mm. he just lamented everything because, like, imagine having to watch the person you love constantly die yeah. and the person that replaces her and comes back as the new person doesn't really have too much of a recollection yeah like, yeah that must have been so depressing yeah just driven you absolutely crazy and arden obviously he was trapped in a cell for millennia mm. just going insane yeah yeah i mean it's hard because like Caius was in a game that like wasn't as monumental as 13 was yeah. and he should have been I think he would have had a much better stake as one of the best Final Fantasy villains if he had been in the original game which is such a shame because he is such a brilliant character it is and Arden would have been better if he had had a bit more thought an organization of his story in the game. Yeah, both because of them his have motivations, that problem. His motivations are all over the place. Arden. Yeah. Like, it is a bit wishy-washy, yeah. Like, you just sort of think, like, you know, are you, a, are you a double agent? Are you not a double agent? Like, what is going on with you? Why are you... Why are you assisting? But when, why are you also killing people? Like, it's just... It's still... It still confuses me as to why spoilers but there again it is like four years, four old. years ago um why does he kill luna why i why? I still feel as though it was the motivation he needed to push noctis but why did he need to push noctis because noctis had been defeated at that point yeah noctis was trying to overcome a leviathan but he failed mm. yeah and the the death of luna was the thing that that like kind of awoke him mm. but she hadn't died yet he just hurt her yeah which he could have just hurt her well i guess he just did what he thought was necessary i mean like it's the thing like he was it's one of those things where it's kind of mm. like kefka where he he was sane but not sane at the same mm. time so yeah like he wasn't he was, fully like, in control of his of what he wanted to do yeah he he had a lot of um mixed emotions about many things yeah because and he was like a monster thingy exactly so like it's it's just arden is a complicated one and mm -hmm. you could argue that he is the he's the he's the protagonist because yeah. he managed to save the world by pushing noctis in the right way and mm -hmm. he kind of got his what he wanted he was freed from his eternal damnation yeah and the world was saved or whatever and like if he hadn't pushed it then none of it would have happened but then i really think that yeah they should have played more into i think they didn't play enough into the fact that he was like suffering yeah i mean like in, in a weird way it's kind of like there were hallmarks of sephiroth in that he was present throughout bits of it but because like Kingsglaive was removed and like all these other bits, you didn't really get to know too much about him as a character. Mm. I think a lot of people like him because of the style he had. Yeah. And obviously like the voice actor as well. What was Darren his name? Darren DePaul. Yeah. Did a really great job with him. He's really like, he's really a cool looking dude. Um, and like, I want to really like him. I just don't. It's just a bit, it was just a bit weak. 
Yeah, exactly. But I think Caius, Caius they could did, have done so much did more. suffer from from a similar thing. Like mm. you really, but that's thirteen in general. Yeah, like you have to. When we were doing the Caius Origins video, and it was the same with the Arden Origins video, they took so long because it's so hard to tie everything together and find all the evidence and of of why their motivations are and why they take certain actions. And I think one of the reasons why I liked Kai so much was because he had a relationship with someone mm. and that relationship was with Noel. And obviously he had the relationship with Yule, but you don't really get to see that too much, but you do get to see the relationship he had with Noel. Mm-hmm. I said, Yule. did I say Yule? I meant Yule. He had the yeah. relationship with Yule, but you didn't see that too much, but you saw more about the relationship with Noel. And, and it's through that that you really got to see the good of Caius mm-hmm. and like, he didn't really want to take the actions he was he was taking. He just felt like he had no other choice. Yeah. And I feel as though that that dynamic between him and Noel was so powerful. And yeah, like it's it's kind of a shame, really, because it would have been much better in in thirteen two if Noel was the main protagonist, not Sarah. Mm-hmm. But they had to have Sarah because of the connection with Lightning and blah 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 blah. But yeah, like if if Caius, if they'd found some way to have Noel and Caius in the first game and their relationship existed in the same way, it it was like a consistent narrative and it would have mm-hmm. broken away from the problems that 13 had where everyone had these individual stories, but there wasn't a consistent story. There wasn't a consistent motivation, but mm-hmm. Noel had that consistent motivation. He wanted to find out why his best friend had betrayed him mm-hmm. and he couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. like by the end of it, they do they do understand and they realize that that Caius needs to be stopped because Caius can't get through to them. Mm. Like they're both they're both trying to do the right thing that they think is the right thing, but neither of them wants to see the other person's perspective because they're not listening. Yeah, and I think when you go to Arden, he he they kind of tried to put that dynamic in there with Somnus. But they really painted Somnus in a bad light. I feel it was unfair of them to do that, but they mm-hmm. had to do it to make Arden look good. Really, the actions of Somnus weren't terrible mm-hmm. either. But I feel as though they could have done a lot more to build up um, Somnus and Arden because Somnus also fights against Arden in the modern day as well as one of the the wall. Um, and you get to see... Um, Somnus showing some remorse for what had happened mm. but it's it's just because that whole storyline was shown in like a 10 minute anime it's so hard to try like really understand the motivations of the characters like Somnus may have felt and that's why I feel like it's a good dynamic because like Noel and Caius their actions they feel like they have no choice mm. and like Caius's position is the bad one not Noel but really you could look at it, you could turn it around quite easily. And it's the same with Somnus and Arden. Maybe Somnus felt he had no choice and they've chosen to portray him as slightly maniacal in the way that he behaved, how he be- betrayed Arden and uh, whatever name, error was it? The yeah. uh, really side with Arden, blah, blah, blah. But like the crystal didn't do that. So like, it's just, it's just weird. But I think the overriding thing for me why Caius is the best kind of sub-boss is his theme. Yeah, it's true. His theme is boss. Wins out. Yeah. Owns everything. Right. 
Um, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, like thinking about it, like especially after we just did our Cipher Origins, like Cipher is is probably a good second for this. Like I really love love Cipher and how he's represented in Final Fantasy VIII. I think it's fantastic. But I think my favorite has to be Seymour. Seymour is just. He's so awesome. And I know that I've gone on and on about Seymour on this podcast, but like, you know, and I know that there's some people out there who are just like, how can you like Seymour? I found him so annoying. But like, the thing is, is that you don't have to like what somebody does in order to like them as a character. Like, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to like enjoy, enjoy what they do like i know full well that seymour is is a butthole he is a horrible person and he does horrible things but i find him really fascinating didn't you know Uh, did you know like he's murdered his dad but with that being said he did murder his dad because his dad was a horrible person his dad freaking could you imagine you're born and you had no choice over being a half a half guado, a half person. You have no choice over that. You were born that way. And your dad is just like, I'm the head of this race, the guado. They don't like you. So you and your mom have to leave. I'm running for office and it hurts my polls. It hurts my polls. Like that is horrible that is absolutely disgusting like that is a the it worst does happen thing though you do. it does happen like in you know especially um with with politics it just there will be a family member who's against a certain policy and mm. they just disown that family member yeah yeah which i don't understand how I don't understand how anybody but, can disagree. But I don't think they do what their Seymour's dad No, like move him to an island. You have to live in the Baj Temple by yourself with your mom. Yeah. And then your mom then is just like, you know what? I'm going to fight sin to make people accept you, but I'm going to die uh, leaving, no, you, leaving you completely alone. Sorry when about it. When you're like it. 10 years old. Like, sorry... You know, it that's it's a lot for a kid to take on. And like Seymour is just like there there's no question as to like what <laughs> he doesn't have any emotional connection with people because he never got the opportunity to do it as a kid. You know, like you think about they research babies who if the parent um if the parent like is constantly looking at the baby with like a stoic face or something it really damages the way in which the child grows up and um how they are able to control their emotions i have it like i i swear that i when i was a kid i um i think you know my my mom might have been going through some stuff from what i've heard i won't go into it but like i struggle with containing my emotions and you know mine wasn't even that bad of a case but like thinking about seymour like his was a pretty freaking bad a bad case so he's not going to have any empathy and i i can kind of compare him to osminidas from um 
the Watchman because he kind of makes a similar choice, except he actually is able to convince other people to believe in his choice. So basically in Watchmen, they're faced with the end of the world. Rorschach believes that there's a lot of like really good people in in New York City. I think it's like it, it's like a sort of ver- their version of New York City or it is New York City. I haven't read it in a while, so I can't really remember. But basically he he knows the good people in that town and he knows that they don't deserve to die just so that like things can get better. Osmenidas doesn't believe that. Osmenidas believes that you have to completely kill everyone in order to basically repopulate and regrow um, the community. Rorschach goes off on his own in order to save people and then gets killed by Dr. Manhattan and like all of the superheroes who, or the heroes who Rorschach was fighting alongside just kind of grin, gritted their teeth and bared it with Osmenidas and just accepted that, okay, maybe this is what we need to do in order to, in order to um, restart. And so it happens. A lot of people die and, crime goes down miraculously you know like it's like it does make a big change but at what cost so seymour is just thinking like well if a load of people die then we're great we're super powerful i mean like we can just party on the fire plane and have a great time and you know it's people like yuna who are just kind of like no there's a lot of really good people here who don't need to live on the far plane or don't want to live on the far far plane and be ghosts forever they don't want to be unsent they want to or that's not necessarily it is it sorry i'm really tired so you have to bear with me he he thinks it's more so that he thinks that they should be unsent, isn't it? It's not that they should go to the far plane because that's he a bad wants to bit. remove death. He wants to remove death, so that it's basically just like ghosts living End on suffering, ghosts living on on uh, Spira. Yeah, he's so broken emotionally that he wants to try and end suffering. Because he's probably suffered a lot himself. And that's why I love him as a character. I could go on all day about how much I love Seymour and how complex he is. And how much, like, he doesn't deserve to be hated, but just be seen as a, like, cautionary tale. And I think that's the the thing that Final Fantasy does really well with its antagonists, because many of them have that sympathetic side to them, where mm. you can you can look at them and just say, like, you know, maybe if someone had just, I think I said it in the Cypher video, maybe if someone had just put their arm around them and just said, like, you know, <laughs> it's it's okay, like... Seymour, if his had if his dad hadn't done what he did, probably would have been okay. Yeah, and he probably would have gone down the same route as Yuna and tried to do his best to bring about the calm. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Kuja as well. Like, you know, Garland really messed him up. Like, mm-hmm. Kuja wasn't inherently a bad person. He could have turned out just the same as Zidane. Yeah, and but he didn't. And I was also thinking, like, with Seymour. His storyline, like most of the antagonists don't have such a specific backstory. Mm. Seymour does. Mm-hmm. I, it would really be a shame if that was, if someone actually had that as a reference point, because they usually say that these stories have, they, they come from somewhere. Yeah. Like you don't just make that story up. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's I think it's a testament to or a reflection of like almost um crime culture if I'm honest. I mean, I think it's it's a tale that you hear a lot that, you know, these kids ro- grow up in broken homes and you know, you can shove them in the best sort of uh you can pretty them up but they're not going to they're not going to recover unless they like are cared for essentially i guess like you know you you have to you have to um take care of kids in order for them to grow and be decent adults you can't just ship them off somewhere and then just kind of say well well you came back you're fine now you're good like and expect everything to be okay because it's not gonna be but like neglect is is a big um neglect and sort of uh the separation um with kids like it's it's a common I, i think it's a really common story and even just kids who have a parent walk out on them really young in life like it does things to you yeah but yeah on that serious note. Yeah, on that serious note, they are our picks. So we had Sephiroth, Kafka, Caius, and Seymour with with tons of other ones that, that are, are prominent figures as well. And it's not yeah. to say that other antagonists are bad apart from Necron. Um, <laughs> yeah, like ne- I love I love I like Kuja. Like, Yu Yevon is it's a real shame because Yu Yevon's story is pretty cool mm. and like everything around Yu Yevon, what who Yu Yevon was, why Yu Yevon did what he did mm. is really cool. They just didn't really talk about it. He just appeared. Oh, yeah. hi, it's Yu Yevon. <laughs> I'm an angry tick. Whereas Necron, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Why? Why are you here? You weren't invited to the party. Why yeah. are you here? Um... But yeah, I mean, <sighs> I mean, thirteen's one's a bit crazy, but we won't get onto that. <laughs> well, Bartandalus, best, well, Bartandalus, and you got ever. you got like it's like the the, the villain hierarchy because you've got Bartandalus, then you have got Orphan, then you've got Lindsay. You do have you could make a big case though for Gabranth as well. Gabranth is awesome. Good sub boss, yeah, he is really cool. But, but um, I think the over, the, the overarching. The the overarching antagonist in thirteen is not Benavelza, who is the the main antagonist in Lightning Returns, but I think it's the Maker. Mm. I think he's the Maker is like the granddaddy god, <laughs> and then underneath him is Lindsay, but uh, and and Etro, and then mm. below them you've got loads of other people like Pulse and whatever. I don't know, like. <laughs> It's just like trying to explain the lore of Final Fantasy thirteen to someone is like we still get comments now on how we somehow managed to make the story of lightning into a coherent thing. <laughs> but even like if you if you watch the lightning origins video, even even now now looking back at it, like the story is just so weird. Mm. Like it starts off kind of okay, but by the end of it, you're just like what what is going on like how does this make any sense yeah it it was hard yeah <laughs> it was hard i think caius's one was a little bit easier actually but lightnings is just kind of all over the place and then they end up in france mm. yeah as you do as you do 
But with that, um, the true antagonist of Final Fantasy XIII is the story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, so that's our, our fun discussion. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love to hear your picks for favorite antagonist and sub-antagonist. So let us know on Discord or on Twitter. For now, though, it's the end of the episode. We're going to be having our next episode come out, which is episode 227 on the 4th of August. Until then, be sure to check out old episodes at finalfantasyunion.com. And if you like what we do, please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. For now, though, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a Final Fantasy Union production.